Hey, everybody. Welcome to Breaking the Wall podcast. It's me, Brandon Coleman, here as your host, as always. And today we are talking about setting your rate as a teacher, right? I mean, as dancers, usually as we go into auditions or we're trying to go on tour or get booked for jobs, the people hiring us already have an idea of what they're going to pay us. They already have a number. They're going to be like, this is where you're getting paid. You can either deal with it or you can walk. Um, But as teachers, a lot of the time, studios and workshops might have their own rate of what they pay teachers. But a lot of the times, they'll give teachers a date and a time frame, and then they'll ask you for what your number is. And for a lot of us, it's a little overwhelming. It's like, how do you pick a number? What if you go too high? What if you get go too low? Um, we don't want to undervalue ourselves, right? So today, I want to walk you through four factors of what I think about whenever I'm setting my rate. So those factors are, number one, location. So where are you teaching? Two, consistency. So how often am I going to be teaching? Three is time cost. What does it actually cost to do the job? And then four, what is the value, right? What is the time value? How much is your time worth? And that's where it gets kind of spicy. We can really play with how much we charge or ask for based on how our perceived value, right? But let's start at number one. Let's start with location. So this is the first thing I think of when I'm coming up with my rate. And a lot of that plays into socioeconomic status, right? So what can the area studio dancers afford to pay you, right? I know a lot of us want to just pick one hourly rate and keep it the same across the board, throw it on our website and be like, oh, just look there. That's what I charge. But unfortunately, what this does, it it limits who has access to us and our knowledge, right? And for me, what I want to do as a teacher is I want to offer my services, my knowledge, my experience to as many people as possible, as many dancers as possible, right? And one price isn't going to work for a large demographic. So I do need to look at socioeconomic status of an area. I can do this through a quick Google search, or I could also do it by just asking teachers who work in those areas or friends that I know worked in those areas in the past, right? So they'll give you at least a good ballpark of where you have to play, right? So when we're thinking about location, I'm thinking about what can the area afford, And then from there, I have a good baseline of where I can go after that. So number two is consistency. How often are you teaching? Are you teaching on a daily or weekly basis? Or maybe you're like me, I do a lot of guest teaching. So I only teach at certain studios a couple of times a year or maybe just once, right? I hope I get to go back to studios regularly. Um, But a lot of the times I can only make it to Houston once or twice a year. In fact, there's a studio in Houston I love teaching at, uh, Institute of Contemporary Dance, and the students there call me Santa Claus because I only come to teach there once a year, usually around the holidays, Um, and then I won't be back for another year, right, or hopefully in the summer. Um, But when we're trying to decide our rate, that's going to play a big factor in that, right? So daily, weekly, if you're Doing weekly, then it's probably going to be less per hour, right? But the benefit of that is that you provide a lot of value over a long period of time, right? So you may not be getting paid as much for um, per class, but you're going to be teaching there so often that eventually that money accumulates to being 
a lot in your experience there and the growth you see in those kids or those students are going to be incredible to witness over a long period of time. The other side of consistency is guest teaching, right? What I was just talking about. As a guest teacher, you get to charge higher per hour due to novelty, right? You're only there once a year. You're Santa Claus or you're, um, you just come in for the summer workshops, right? So for that, you offer dancers, your goal at least, to offer dancers a lot of value in a short amount of time. So that's a completely different skill set. I don't think either is better or worse. I just think that this is something you can need to consider when you're setting your rate, right? I'm not going to charge $300 for um, a three-hour workshop or, sorry, a three-hour class I'm going to be doing every day, right? Okay, I need $300 every day. I might do that. But for me right now where I'm at in my career, that's more of like a weekend workshop idea instead of something that's more consistent, right? So one, looking at location, two, consistency, and now we get into time costs. So now we're starting to do a little bit of math here. What does it actually cost to teach, right? And the first factor of that is travel versus time cost, right? Are you spending $5 on a round-trip subway ticket for an hour round trip, right? So you're spending an hour in travel and you're only paying $5. Or maybe you're teaching in the suburbs of whatever city you're in. So it takes a $75 train plus a 15-minute Uber during rush hour, which could take three hours round trip, right? So now you're out $75 and you haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah, so considering that when you're thinking of your price to give to a studio, what no matter if it's um, daily, weekly, or a one-off guest teaching gig, you need to consider how much it's going to actually cost for you to get there. We don't want to lose money as teachers, right? And then prep time. That's the other time factor. For me, at least, do you take a couple of hours or do you take a full day to plan a class? I know some incredible teachers that take hours. And if you're doing a, if you're charging per hour, right, which a lot of us do, if you're adding that into the equation, for an hour and a half class, it might take you six hours to plan every aspect of that, right? Which a lot of people don't think of, oh, they're just going to come give a class. But if you're taking it seriously, you're probably investing a lot of your own time into preparing class and giving a good quality class. So taking that into consideration, right? So what is the time cost? What does it actually cost for you to teach before you even get into the room? So that's the third factor. Our final factor is time value. Yeah. How much is your time worth? And as I said at the very start of this episode, this is where it gets kind of spicy. This is where the fluctuation in price that we see in different teachers. We hear some teachers teaching for $10 a head, some people leaving an hour and a half class with $500, whatever it is. These factors, for what I believe, are what contribute to that. So the first one for time value is your education, right? You can add this to your pot. Do you have a BFA, an MFA? right? These are things that work in your favor as a teacher. Have you done teacher trainings, right? What is it, the Dance Teacher Summit that happens every year? Have you taken part in that to further your education as a teacher? Maybe you're working with a mentor of yours. Um, Another side of that is what techniques you know, right? So what are you a master of? Are you incredible at floor work, right? Are you, maybe you were in um, the Rockettes, and you're talented at precision jazz and you're going to give a precision jazz class or 
You've studied Limon technique and you're an expert in Limon technique or Fosse jazz, right? So consider your education as something that adds a lot of value to you as a teacher. The other side of this is your teacher slash dancer experience, right? So outside of your knowledge of being a teacher offering information, a lot of the times your experience as a dancer and teacher can really up your value as a guest or a long-term teacher, right? Were you in Hamilton? Are you an NDT dancer, right? Dancer experience is so attractive for studios who have students who want to be those dancers someday, right? And this is usually true for guest teachers as uh, studios who bring in like, oh, a Hamilton dancer is coming. They're probably going to be getting a lot of students to come and take that class, which means the value of that teacher is going to be higher, You know, you could also take this the other side. I hear a lot of teachers put in their bio, I have 25 years teaching experience. That's a lot of teaching experience. That's a lot of value. You have a lot of information, apparently, to offer. And as we know, great dancers don't always make great teachers. And I would also argue that having a lot of experience teaching, teaching for a long period of time, doesn't necessarily make you a great teacher either. Yeah. So this comes to our final point of this value system that we're working off of. Um, what's your ability to get dancers results? What results are you getting dancers that you are teaching? Right. I have an incredible mentor, Risa Steinberg, who I've been working with at least over uh, during the pandemic times. Um, but she is a master of Limon technique, has danced for Jose Limon for a great deal of her career, still performing to this day, um, just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, But her teaching methodology revolves around preparing dancers to dance for as long as they want. So fighting that idea of once you hit 30, it's all downhill. I mean, you can dance in your 60s, dance in your 70s if you know how to take care of your body. And that's what she teaches. And that's a lot of value. Right? I, I'm paying money to have her t- teach me how to dance that long, right? I want to dance until I decide I'm over, not my body tells me I'm done, right? So if someone can teach me how to do that and also has the resume of saying, look at all these dancers that I, I've taught and are still dancing in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond, that's incredible. Like, of course, I'm going to give you more money to teach me how to do that. That's a great skill. You know, and that's a long-term teacher who's been teaching at Juilliard, but guest teachers can offer a similar value, right? If For me, if I can go into a room for one to two hours and implement positive change in dancers, if they can grasp one com- concept or idea, then I think I have done my job. Yeah, that's what I came to do. I came to offer information that they can take and use for a long time, not just, oh, that was fun and move on oh, that was fun, oh, that was interesting, oh, that was um, exciting, but also now I have information that I'm going to add to my tool belt that will make me a better dancer later on, yeah? So those are the factors I go through. I think about location, right? First and foremost, what can the area afford? Consistency. How often am I going to be teaching there? Is it going to be a weekly basis or am I just being a guest teacher? Time cost. Can I afford to go there? Do I have to fly? Are they going to pay for that, right? Time value, how much is your time worth, right? So thinking about your education, your experience, and your ability to get dancers results. Think about all those things to add value to what you do, 
right? So once you find that number that feels right, you're like, this aligns with all these factors, decide on a rate that's worth it for you. And then I would start high. If you're like, that feels high, I would go for it, right? And if I'm going high, I need to be prepared to deliver that value, back up that value, and then deliver that value. Nothing is worse than charging too much and showing up somewhere and then possibly not offering what you promised, right? Nothing says, let's kill a connection like that. So ask yourself if X amount of time, if I have X amount of time, will I give the dancers this much value? Hopefully your answer is yes. If it is yes, go with that number and know that they might reject it. The studio might say, that price is too high. We have never paid anyone that much. And know that that's okay and it's not personal, right? It's business. We literally cannot afford you at that price. We would love, maybe that means they'd love to have you, but they don't have the funds, right? Can go back to that socioeconomic idea, or that's just not what they're used to paying. Then I can just come back with, okay, I want to teach for you. So what price is good for you? You can either come in with a con, like a counter offer. Maybe you want that same amount of money for a weekend. Say you want $300 for a weekend. Say, okay, what if I add more classes? So my time there is increasing, um, but I don't have to travel anymore. So travel costs are out. And while you have me, you get me for longer and I can offer more information. But I still leave with this and maybe I can service more dancers, right? So that's what I have for you today. Hopefully this is helpful in finding what is a good price for you and what is a good place for you to start. Um, and remember, there's so many possibilities, but if you go through these factors, I, I think you're going to find a more clear answer for what you're worth, what your value is, what you can offer. Yeah. As always, thank you so much for spending your time with me. I love talking about this kind of stuff. And if you have any suggestions for episode ideas, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Breaking the Wall Podcast. If you are already loving these episodes, please subscribe, leave us a review. Five stars is always appreciated. Um, I would love to connect with you uh, on Instagram or any other way you can reach me. Um, but other than that, I will see you in the next episode. Have a good day, everybody.